0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM
1: 89.3. Time to turn our attention to the United States, where a few events are dominating the headlines. A border town in the lone state of Texas has been. Uh, overwhelmed by an influx of migrants from Haiti seeking to escape poverty and hunger in their home country. Authorities are moving fast to expel thousands, having moved 3,300 of them in the last two days. But reports say they're undeterred, even as Haiti said arrangements have already been made to warmly receive those who return.
2: And also, the US military apparently apologized last Friday for a drone strike in the Afghan capital Kabul last month that killed about 10 civilians, including 7 children. They're calling it now a tragic mistake. The Pentagon had said that the August 29th strike targeted an Islamic State suicide bomber who posed an imminent threat to US-led troops at the airport as they completed the last stages of their withdrawal from Afghanistan. Still, the top US general had described the attack as righteous But first, tensions were high on Saturday at the U.S. Capitol, where protesters gathered in a show of support for pro-Trump rioters involved in the Capitol riots in January. 100 to 200 protesters showed up, some carrying the flags of the right-wing group three percenters over their shoulders. They insist that hundreds of rioters arrested for their actions that day were political prisoners who had not committed any violence. We're joined now by Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief of the Straits Times, to talk more about this. Now, normal. we understand that organisers had expected a turnout of 700 at these rallies, but only up to 200 showed up. What exactly do you think this signals? I mean, could there have been a shift in sentiment? Have people perhaps changed their minds following all the destruction and death that followed?
0: Good morning. Well, a couple of things. One, on January 6th, there was a very specific goal. It was to stop Congress from certifying the election result. Congress was in session. Everybody was in the building. And secondly, security was light. They underestimated the crowd. Although there was chatter beforehand that they intended to storm the Capitol, it wasn't taken seriously enough. And Donald Trump actually told the crowd to go and fight for him. This time, Congress was not in session. There was no particular political objective. And security was seriously beefed up. And there were reports that Donald Trump himself was not very enthusiastic because he was worried something would happen to make him look bad. Also, 643 people have been arrested so far for their involvement on January 6th. So most people now know there are consequences. After all, the incident was an insurrection. So with all these factors combined, not many showed up. I don't think this can be taken as an index of Donald Trump's support or lack of it. Certainly, more Republicans have been speaking out against what happened after January 6th, though still not many, a handful at the most. His base remains largely intact though it may be small, it is still very significant. And it also comprises people who are even more angry that they did not come in force on Saturday was only because of all these factors and the day itself was not particularly significant.
1: Yeah. Good morning. Nirmal supporters claim that hundreds of those arrested over the capital riots are political prisoners, and that judicial procedures over their involvement are questionable. Now, what evidence did they have of this allegation of mistreatment? Do they have a credible argument?
0: Not really. Now, of course, multiple charges have been laid on many of these people from trespassing in a federal building, to destruction of property, to smoking cigarettes in the building. There is an array of charges, some serious and some, you could argue, are technicalities, misdemeanors. But those who traveled to D.C. that day in the belief that Donald Trump was the rightful winner of the election still believe that. A new poll of people who rely on Fox News and other right-wing media for their news found that 76% are more likely to believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump and are less likely to blame him for the insurrection. So many of those who were involved on January 6, believe they were expressing their freedom as Americans and the capital belongs to them and they had every right to be there. So many see these charges as nonsensical or political, even if they are very much based on infractions of an actual law. It's the lens through which they view this. In their minds, they did nothing wrong. They were there to express their opinions. Some say, oh, we were swept away. We meant no harm, but we ended up in the building. But of course we had to because the election was stolen, that sort of thing. And again, pro-Trump, right-wing media has often supported that narrative. There have been people on TV, on Fox News and other right-wing channels Saying this was just an unruly mob, unruly tourists even, someone said. That these were just real Americans angry at the election being stolen. Which, by the way, was not the case as we know. Almost every courthouse in the U.S. where accusations were filed found no basis to them. So in their minds, it is they who are the aggrieved. This is all about the manufacturing of doubt. You plant the doubt, you plant disinformation, and it develops an entire belief system with a momentum and rationale of its own. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode.
2: And certainly that can be very dangerous, as we know, Normal. Let's move now to Texas, though, where migrants from Haiti, numbering the thousands, have flooded the small border town of Del Rio. Tell us what's behind this sudden arrival of Haitian migrants and how the situation weighs against migrants from other countries, hoping for a better life in America.
0: Right. So there are two, you could say, proximate drivers, which is the political instability in Haiti. They had their president assassinated on the 7th of July. Then a month ago, Haiti was hit by a magnitude 7.2 earthquake, which destroyed or damaged thousands of houses. All this has come on top of deep endemic poverty, continually exacerbated by frequent natural disasters. So basically, there is no future in Haiti. It is a country of abject, and I mean really abject, poverty. Criminality is rife, government is corrupt. Now, as for this wave of migrants, some have been in Central and South America for a while now, driven out of Haiti by previous disasters, but not finding life much better, frankly, in South and Central America, where countries have their own problems, and these migrants would be discriminated against as well. And some have also come more recently. Now, in May this year, the U.S. government extended relief for Haitian migrants in the U.S., saying they do not have to be deported for 18 months. This was because of conditions in Haiti. So some of what we are seeing is also a result of a misinterpretation of that. People believing they would not be deported and people concluding that basically they have nothing to lose.
1: Normal U.S. authorities are working to accelerate plans to expel these migrants. Now, what are some of these plans and how will this swift and strict action make President Joe Biden you know, look to the Democrats, especially in terms of his stance on immigration?
0: Yes, more than 50 Democratic lawmakers have urged President Biden in a letter not to deport them. But look, even for President Biden, allowing so many, there are well over 14,000 at last count, allowing so many in would be politically difficult, if not untenable. The border is already one of his vulnerabilities politically. The Republicans are making the most of it, and he will find it hard to power through this. And the midterms are now just over one year away. As for the deportations... I've seen it reported that the U.S. plans five to eight flights a day starting now, but it could be less than that, maybe one or two per day. It depends on Haiti as well, whether Haiti will accept so many flights. And it depends on where the migrants go back willingly. Many plan to seek asylum, in which case they would not be deported until their claims are processed and settled. So this was not an official announcement, but based on anonymous officials. But we can assume that that is the general plan, because yes, the aim is to deport them.
2: Speaking with Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief of the Straits Times. Now, Nirmal, let's turn now to the U.S. military airstrike in Kabul just last month. At the time, it was said to have targeted and killed militants from an ISIS branch called ISIS-Khorasan. A new report has revealed that the attack killed civilians instead and that it was not, in fact, ISIS-K fighters nor a threat to U.S. troops. What exactly went wrong here? Give us more details.
0: Yes, the intelligence was wrong and a strike was conducted on an innocent man who worked for an educational aid agency based, ironically, in California. This incident shows the shortcomings of so-called over-the-horizon counterterrorism, which relies on local informers who are often unreliable and also relies on aerial surveillance, which to an observer in a remote location with zero knowledge of context on the ground can easily be interpreted as they want to interpret it. In this case, one indicator was apparently large canisters being ferried into the car by this man. But those canisters were actually water canisters because there is a shortage of water in Kabul. That kind of local context was totally missing. So the intelligence, such as it was, was obviously not just flawed but totally off the mark. And coupled with that, you have people who don't know anything about ground conditions making life and death decisions. And there was a need to strike because of the suicide bomb at the airport. President Biden had vowed retaliation and they were looking for someone to strike at. Just a tragedy on so many levels and a reminder that for all the vaunted technology and intelligence and so forth, there will always be human error.
1: Yeah, Nirmal, the U.S. military has called this a tragic mistake. Yes, yet it was defended by Marine Corps General uh, Frank McKenzie, who said the move was righteous. Now, what did he mean by this and what impact will this have on President Joe Biden? You know, even as he's recognized as the president who withdrew troops from Afghanistan. Well, so far, nobody has resigned
0: and nobody has been fired. Of course, that could change. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin will testify in Congress sometime soon, and he will be cross-questioned, and we may then learn more. But frankly, nobody really expects accountability. The Pentagon has said they had this intelligence, it was a mistake, and they're sorry, but that's about it. The president himself will likely escape the damage. Other presidents have escaped worse. Back in 1988, if you remember, a U.S. warship shot down an Iran air flight by mistake, killing 290 innocent people. What happened? Then-President George Bush was asked whether he would apologize, and his reply famously was, I will never apologize for the United States. I don't care what the facts are. Today, if you watch or read news and commentary about Iran, that incident hardly ever gets a mention. Nobody was held accountable, not even the captain of the warship. So it would be a surprise, frankly, if anyone is made accountable for this. And as for the larger picture, most Americans support the withdrawal from Afghanistan, even if they do not like the way it was done, the scramble for the exit. The administration's calculation is that some months down the road, the public would have forgotten about it. There are other issues occupying the mind right now, like the pandemic, like the border crisis, and on foreign policy, the new defense agreement with Australia and the UK, the rivalry with China and so forth. So it is unlikely that there will be any lasting damage to President Biden.
2: Thank you very much for that update, Nirmal. Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief of The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast Channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
0: Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like
2: us and rate us.